We'll hear argument first this morning in case 07665, Pleasant Grove City versus Sumum. Mr. Seculo. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The Tenth Circuit erred when it held that the First Amendment's free speech clause forces Pleasant Grove City to accept and erect on its property a private party's donated, unattended, permanent monument. The decision suffers from two constitutional defects. First, the Court's conclusion that a donated Ten Commandments monument constitutes private speech rather than government speech is wrong. Here, each of the monuments on display in Pioneer Park have been selected by the government, are owned by the government, controlled by the government, and are displayed on government property. When the government is speaking, it is free from the traditional free speech constraints of the First Amendment. Second, the Court compounded its error by further concluding that Pioneer Park is a traditional public forum for the erection of permanent, unattended monuments by private parties. Mr. Seculo, you're really just picking your poison, aren't you? I mean, the more you say that the monument is government speech to get out of the first, the free speech, uh, pro, the free speech clause, the more it seems to me you're walking into a trap under the Establishment Clause. If it's government speech, it may not present a free speech problem, but what is the government doing speaking, uh, supporting the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments here was uh, displayed in Pioneer Park, as the mayor said, uh, Mayor Cook, in 1971, to show the pioneer heritage of the community. This is a community of uh, pioneers on a quest for religious liberty. That's why these, this town was established. There is no Establishment Clause claim, Mr. Chief Justice, here. Uh, they be inconsistent with the relief that the uh, respondents are really seeking. Well, I think, there, you know, there, yes, there, Justice Kennedy. And I don't want to interrupt your answer to the Chief Justice because I, I think it's critical, critical to your argument. It's a procedural matter. I, I thought that the Establishment Clause issue was raised in the initial complaint. Are you taking a position that it's now waived or something? Well, there was no Federal Establishment Clause complaint in, at all. Uh, there was a state. It was, under, it was under the state. It was under the state of Utah uh, Establishment Clause. That was raised in the complaint. It was not the basis upon which the injunction was sought, and the Tenth well, Circuit noted that it was you, waived. If you prevail, uh, the, the action should be dismissed, as far as you're concerned. Yes. All right. I, you know, and, subject and, to state right. pending claim. Then getting back to the, the Chief Justice's point. Uh, it, it does seem to me that if you say this government speech, that in later cases, uh, in, including the case of the existing monument, you're going to say that it's government speech and you have an establishment clause problem. I don't know if uh, saying that it would necessarily be resolved one way or the other, but it certainly raises an establishment. Well, I think that from an establishment, if there was an establishment clause claim, Justice Kennedy, which is not here, uh, Van Norden foreclosed that this monument is very similar to what was at place in Van Norden. And here the city stated the reason that they accepted and erected this monument, accepted the donation, from the uh, Fraternal Order of Eagles was to show something and to represent their pioneer heritage. The I suppose Commandments. it depends on what the government speech consists of, what it is the government is saying about the Ten Commandments. If the government is saying the Ten Commandments are the word of God, that's one thing. And if the government is saying the Ten Commandments are an, an important part of our national heritage, that's something else. That's exa- and precisely, Justice Scalia, that's exactly what Mayor Cook, in fact, at the unveiling ceremony stated, that this will serve to remind citizens of their pioneer heritage and the founding of their Do you have to say this? Did, did the NEA, versus, Finley versus NEA, the, the, the Court didn't treat that as government's correct. Did it? Those, or, am I, or am I, is that the... No, that, you're correct. Those were speech selection cases. And I think it clearly that the actions here of the uh, government, uh, the City Council, falls neatly within uh, Forbes, Finley, and the plurality of the American Library Association. Before, the government we, get, before we get away from uh, the government, uh, the establishment clause, you said, well, Van Orden answered that, but did it? Because you don't have here a 40-year history of this 
monument being there, and nobody seemed to be troubled by it. There's a 36-year history here. This monument's been on display since 1971. So this monument's been there a, a, a long time. Yeah, I think and 30, 38 is the cutoff. Is that the cutoff? Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I miscounted. It may be 38. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Seculo, when you come upon this, if somebody comes upon this monument in the park, how are they supposed to tell whether it's government speech or private speech? Well, of course, the face of it, Mr. Chief Justice, states on the face of the monument that it's presented to Pleasant Grove City in Utah County. Uh, by the Fraternal Order of Eagles. And uh, as far as a government speech, as far as ownership and control goes, under a more of a Johans analysis, different from Finley and Forbes in that context, here the government exercised control. After all, they allowed it, accepted it, and allowed it to be erected in their property under Utah law, all right, title, and interest to that property transferred. But I would say with regard to the uh, endorsement, if you will, or the Establishment Clause issue, really the context here, as this Court has consistently stated within the Establishment Clause cases matter, this Court has a depiction of Moses holding the Ten Commandments in the freezer of the courtroom with words written in Hebrew. That's not an endorsement of the religion or of the commandments. It's representative of the history. In the context of all, all other, with, with law, lawgivers, yes. this is a standalone uh, Ten Commandments. And you don't see, I don't think, Anywhere, I am the Lord thy God, they don't, that's not shown. No, the words on, on the court's freeze are steal, murder, adultery, and Hebrew. Yes. Uh, very different in that context, but as far as the actual language of what, what's going on within the park itself, Justice Ginsburg, this is not a monument standing alone. There are 15 other displays in this Pioneer Park. Is it's this a challenge to the Ten Commandments monument? It's not. I, this I is, thought this that is this not case an establishment did not clause. involve an Establishment Clause challenge. Why there we, is no Establishment why Clause. It's not a basis upon which the injunction was sought, and the Tenth Circuit uh, specifically held it was waived. Mr. Sekulak, yes, I just yes, asked, at what point in the litigation did you first raise the government speech argument? At the Tenth Circuit. Uh, the Tenth Circuit existing, the existing law in the Tenth Circuit in the summum line of cases uh, mandated a private speech determination, even if the speech was controlled and owned by the government, if it originated with a third party. As soon as we were before the Tenth, under Tenth Circuit rules, that's binding, of course, on the district court and on the panel. But even in the panel brief, we raised the issue of government speech, and the court addressed it, both as to, and Justice Kennedy, going back to your point, both as to government speech and to the speech selection cases of Forbes, Finley, and American Libraries Association. And I think that those cases as well point to what's at issue here. Governments in the business of governing and determining the parks and the landscape of the parks make these kind of decisions. And isn't, a, isn't, the tough, just uh, isn't the tough issue here and not so much whether there is government speech, I will assume, and I, I do indeed assume that there is, isn't the tough issue here the, the claim that there is, is in fact a mixture uh, that it is both government and private, uh, and the argument for its continuing to be private speech, I take it, is simply the Eagles' identification with, with the presentation and their espousal of, uh, of what the monument says. How, how do you think we ought to deal with the, with, the, with the mixture issue? Well, I think the fact that it originated, that the monument originated by the Eagles, a third party, doesn't in any way take away from the fact that in this particular case, and in most cases involving uh, donated monuments, which as the United States will point to, most of the monuments in parks are donated by, originated with third parties. Well, they, they probably are, but most of them, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I, I don't suppose that most of them contain the, uh, as, as part of the, uh, in a prominent place in the monument itself, contain the statement that, uh, you know, 
uh, this is the gift of or the position of or whatnot of, of X, Y, or Z, whereas this, uh, this monument does. M- most of them, Justice Souter, do actually have statements. In fact, a, a perfect example would be at, at Gettysburg uh, National Military Park. A number of those monuments, most of them, are donated and originated by third parties. Uh, they'll often say donated by, for instance, the Father Corby We, uh, we chapel- may have more cases coming than I, I thought. I, I hope not. But, but tell me, what, what is the criterion that we should use to decide what the significance of the, of the private uh, identification is? I think the key should be, as this Court alluded to in Johans, uh, the issue of control. Who controls the message ultimately here? And the fact is the Statue of Liberty originated by the Franco-American Union was originated by a third party. The United States, by resolution, accepted it. At that point, title transferred. But, the, but we're not, if, we're, if we accept that there is government speech, I think Justice Souter's question is, isn't this really the government endorsement of the Eagles' message? I mean, this, the Eagles are all over this monument. They're a symbol of the Eagle, and the Eagles want it to be known that this is their monument. Indeed, I think in Van Orden, wasn't the, in the district court there, wasn't the statement, well, this, the, the Texas did this in recognition of the it's good work that the Eagles do in preventing help trying to prevent juvenile delinquency. Right. Yeah, and I think that actually points to why that once it's controlled and owned by the government, the fact that it originated in a third party, uh, Justice Ginsburg, changes the equation for ownership and control to but, the government. But if, if it does, it changes it, as I understand your answer, uh, by eliminating the private aspect of the speech, so that your real answer to me is — it's not a mixture, and, and, it's, it's and not. it ceases to be a mixture the moment the government accepts it. Once right title and interest vest under Utah law in uh, Pleasant Grove City upon acceptance, and at that point it is owned and controlled by the city. And the fact that it was originally created, and Justice Ginsburg, you're correct, the, the district court uh, and also the Court of Appeals in Van Orden stated that it was uh, originated as a moral guidance for youth. That was the reason that the Fraternal Order of Eagles developed it. The, the state of Texas said we're going to honor the Eagles. That was their reason as well as showing the role of the Ten Commandments and the rule of Second, law, and then a third — excuse me, Justice Stevens. Can I answer a question that's kind of in the background sure. of the case? Assume you didn't have the policy that you do have, but you — it was perfectly clear that the city decided not to put up this monument because it disagreed with the message in the monument. And whether you call it government speech or private speech, would that be permissible? Now, it wouldn't be a First Amendment free speech claim. It might raise an Establishment Clause, an equal, equal Protection kind of clause analysis case, but not under the basis upon which respondents have sought here. And I think that's important to point out. The basis upon which they sought access, if you will, is a species of an equal access claim. But, of course, our position, the government hasn't established anything by accepting the monument. But, but, I, but it seems Justice to me, Justice Stevens' question is important, maybe not for your case, but for other cases. Sure. We're deciding this, this for, uh, for other cases to arise. And, and why isn't he correct? Uh, that if you don't like the message, uh, then that, that, that raises a content-based claim. Because if the government's speaking, if it's the government's message, uh, they're, of course, allowed to engage in content-based statements. Uh, the Statue of Liberty was a statement of liberty enlightening the world. The, I could go give a list of mine that, that do that. I, I mean, that's, I understand. that's what they did. Right? It, it, it doesn't seem to me that you have to make the government's speech argument for you to make the argument you just made. No, not necessarily, because even under the speech selection cases, I mean, that's correct, uh, governments make determinations uh, of what they're going to put in their parks to communicate a message. That's very different from a situation, I think, where the uh, Tenth Circuit panel w- was incorrect and respondents are, are incorrect. They confuse the issue of the government actually creating a form or a venue 
for speech. And that perfect example of that would be here with ownership and control vesting in the, uh, in the city. And very different in that situation than the typical equal access case where the government merely opens up its facilities for a variety of viewpoints, Justice Stevens, and then cannot engage in uh, content-based uh, or viewpoint-based so, subjects. So if the level. city, in, in effect, if the city says uh, we are going to have a, uh, uh, a designated 10-acre field in which anybody can put up a monument, but you can't because we don't like your message, this First Amendment problem. But if the city hides the ball, in effect, <laughs> and says — in effect, we'll, 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 we'll let monuments be placed uh, on — we will accept monuments from people who want to place them on our property uh, if the monuments have some kind of an arguable historical connection or a connection with people with, with long association with the, with the community. As long as they have that sort of criterion in mind, then they can select any way they want to. Justice Souter, there's a fundamental difference between opening up a forum uh, taking acres of a park and saying everybody gets to go in, and another situation where the government is clearly controlling it, not for a subversive reason. And I think the evidence in these cases, uh, in these series of cases, pointing to Justice Kennedy's concern about what does this mean for future cases, here it is uncontroverted. The basis upon which the preliminary injunction ultimately was issued by the Tenth Circuit uh, disregarded or at least cast doubt on the declaration of the park administrator who'd been involved in city government since 1972, who stated, it can be found on pages 102 through 104 of the Joint Appendix, that it's been the practice of Pleasant Grove City for three decades to accept displays only, in their particular case, related to the history of the community, of pioneer it, it history. It comes to the same thing, doesn't it? I mean, whether it's the government uh, stating the message or whether it's the government creating a limited public forum for the presentation of only those messages that it thinks are important. It comes to the same thing, doesn't it? Well, it depends on the — if it's a limited public forum, it could, it, certainly limited public forums can be based on subject matter and speaker identity. This Court said that, said that consistently, Cornelius and Perry. So in that context, and now that limited public forum appears to be more of a non-public forum type of analysis, certainly, even in the designated public forum, it could be limited in that regard. And I think that points to the confusion of what took place here. The Court, in our view, uh, conflated those two issues, the issue of forum and government speech. And while they're both separate bases upon which uh, we believe the Tenth Circuit opinion could be reversed and vacate the uh, issuance of the injunction, the reality is that in this particular case, once title passed and control vested in Pleasant Grove City, they were the owner and effectively controlled. Mr. Chief Justice, that does not mean that they violate the Establishment Clause but simply because they own and control a monument. The question is, sure I understand your position. It would have been permissible for the city to say our uh, park is filled with monuments and only, we're only going to let those in who convey messages that we agree with. If, if the policy is if that's that the if policy. the policy is that we're only if the government's controlling those messages, it's not individual private expression. Of course, if it's individual private, if the government, on the other hand, so were to really, say openly, in this case, the sort of the debate as to whether the policy justifications for the monument are a sham or not are really irrelevant. Well, I mean, from a, from a legal standpoint on government speech, it's irrelevant. On the factual matters here, I, I want to even make it clear. Even if it's a government forum for private speech, I think it's the same thing. Well, You're defining — you define the forum to include only those — the forum is putting up monuments. You would just put up those monuments that we agree with the messages. And, and the same question Justice Stephen had, just to, uh, to take on his question. Your answer was, 
oh, well, the government owns it. Suppose the government said we will accept ownership only if we agree with the message. That if, just puts his question. If the I, government I is the ownership argument is, is not an answer to the Justice it's, it's not ownership, Justice Kennedy, in and of itself. Ownership is an indicator, a factor for control, but it is control of the message. When the government implanted that uh, monument donated by the Fraternal Order of Eagles, they were sending a message. It was not a message of, I am the Lord thy God, Justice. No, but nothing, Please. nothing could be a more obvious control of the message than the criterion that says we will decide uh, in, 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 in determining to accept it or not, we will decide on the basis of whether we agree with the message. The Boy, that's control with a vengeance. The difference is, the difference between each of those cases and the case here is the Fraternal Order of Eagles surrendered control of their message and their speech. In the typical equal access case, well, they, they, they do in the example Justice Kennedy just raised and the example that I just raised. The Eagles come along and say, Here's the monument. Take it. It's all yours. Which is happening uh, here. And the, 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 the government says, okay, we'll take the Eagles monument. We will not, on identical terms, take the Summa monument because we disagree with the message. At the point they make the decision, they don't own anything. What they are doing is controlling, in, in your word, and they are controlling on the basis of agreement with the message. Why isn't that a First Amendment violation? It's not a First Amendment violation because the government takes ownership and control on the time it's displayed, and there is no dispute at the time it's displayed that the government is conveying a message. But we've, got to, shut, we've got to shut our eyes to the period pr prior to the moment title passes. A absolutely not, because discovery in this case pr proves the fact that this has been a policy in existence for three decades. And the fact of the matter is, under that analysis — Does that mean if we engage in viewpoint discrimination for three decades, decades, uh, we're home free? If the government is the speaker, they're certainly entitled to do that. If they're not, that'd be it a very different scenario. the speaker, scenario. on your view, until it takes control of the monument. But the government — the speech selection itself is an independent basis under Forbes, Finley, and American Library Association to bring these kind but of — But those are cases in which, uh, to begin with, the, the government is engaging in, in a process of, in effect, uh, uh, sponsoring speech. Uh, and, and here we, we have not, I think, reached the point in which the public park is to be analogized either with the publication of a magazine or, or grants to, uh, to, to the arts. I think when it comes to the issue of selecting monuments for its park, it's very similar to a museum curator or the arts. Mr. Chief Justice, I'd like to reserve the remainder of my time. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Seculo. Mr. Josepher. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, of course the government can select the content and viewpoint of monuments on the National Mall and in other public parks across the country. The Vietnam Veterans Memorial did not open us up to a Viet Cong Memorial. When the Martin Luther King Memorial is completed on the Mall, it will not have to be offset by a monument to the man who shot Dr. King. Can't, the can't there be a situation where the government does create a monument that is a, a limited public forum? Let's take the example that you just gave, the Vietnam War Memorial. I presume the government could not uh, refuse to have the names of certain uh, deceased soldiers on that monument because it disagreed with uh, certain ideas that they had espoused at one point or another. Well, if when it is government speech, for example, we can have a, 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 a Washington Monument and a Jefferson Memorial without an Adams one. I mean, we do get to decide who we want to memorialize on the Mall because it's government speech. But there are also there are two legal theories here. The first is that this is government speech. The second is that this, even if it was private speech, this would be one of those unusual contexts, like public broadcasting museums and libraries, where normal forum principles do not apply because the government is acting as a curator 
and value judgments are therefore both inevitable and appropriate. What's the answer to Justice Alito's question? Let me make it if more we wanted concrete. To, Supposing the government in the uh, Vietnam Memorial decided not to put up the names of any homosexual soldiers, could that be permissible? Yes, when, when the government is speaking, it can choose who to memorialize. Well, that seems to be the problem here. What I have in this is that the problem I have is that we seem to be applying these subcategories in a very absolute way. Why can't we call this what it is? It's a mixture of private speech with government decision-making. And ask the question, as we do in election cases, is the restriction proportionate to a legitimate objective? I know how you can answer that question. You're going to say, of course it is. But what's interesting me is, are we bound in these cases to apply what I think of as an artificial uh, uh, kind of conceptual framework, or are we free to ask what seems to me to be at the heart of the matter? The answer to Justice Stevens' hypothetical is, of course the government can't do that, <laughs> because it's disproportionate. I didn't get the answer. Did you agree with that? Yes, the government can choose to memorialize who it wants on the mall. When the government is speaking — now, to be clear, that's under the free speech clause. So so what is the answer to the — what is the answer to Justice Stevens' hypothetical? What is the answer to the homosexual hypothetical? What's the answer? The only question — That tests the theory. Right. As a matter of the free speech clause, there are no limits on the government's ability to speak freely. Under the Equal Protection Clause, the Establishment Clause, perhaps the Due Process Clause, there might be thought to be independent checks on the government's speech. But the free speech clause, whatever else it does, does not prevent the government from speaking freely. So assume the government can disfavor homosexuality just as it can disfavor abortion, just, can, just as it can disfavor a number of other things that in, in many states people are free to do. The government can disfavor all of that, can it? The, the government would be powerless to do anything if it cannot first formulate and then express its own viewpoints. But the, why is that the answer to the, to, to the question? Why isn't the answer to the question that monuments generally are not, the erection of monuments generally are not a forum? There's a fundamental difference between the speaker's corner and a park where anybody can speak and a permanent monument that takes up space. Uh, presumably limited public space. And if you have the unusual situation where you have a monument that is really analogous to a forum, then the forum analysis would be applicable. But to apply it to something like the Washington Monument or the Jefferson Memorial is ridiculous. Yeah, when, when the government — this is the point I, was, I started on earlier — is when the government's acting as a curator, as in the museum context, normal forum principles do not apply. In Forbes, for example, this Court held that when the government acts as a public broadcaster, it normally can engage in viewpoint discrimination outside of an exception for candidate debates. And the, the, sim, and the same point applies here to monuments, I think, for the combination of three reasons. First, the government is an overwhelming interest as a property owner in not being saddled with structures it does not want. Second, the limits on availability of public space you refer to. And third, the government's sovereign interest in using monuments on its own property to tell its own story, as the federal government has done here on the Mall. It's similar to, for example, a sculpture garden or a a sculpture garden where the government can choose what sculptures to put in the sculpture garden without necessarily having some overriding theme or overriding reason. If I could give two examples of that, in Meridian Hill Park here in northwest D.C. between 15th and 16th Streets, the government chose to accept and place a variety of privately donated sculptures that have no evident connection to one another. They cover people as diverse as Joan of Arc, President Buchanan. Suppose they only accept Democrats who are sculptors and they reject all the Republicans. Right. As a matter of the uh, — What in the First Amendment — are you saying the First Amendment would not stop that? 
The free speech clause on its own force does not prevent the government from speaking freely. But as a matter of rational basis review under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, it's hard to see how the government would have a legitimate governmental interest in in pure partisan activity. But the free speech clause, what it does is it it, it, it limits the extent to which the government can well, other people's uh, does speech. Well, the Equal Protection Clause would, if you wrote an Equal Protection Clause opinion, you'd end up saying it was content-based. That's the First Amendment. If it's government speech, I, 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 I don't think that you can uh, avoid the hard part by saying, oh, other, other amendments of the Constitution might apply. The, it, the heart of the question is whether the government may discriminate based on content, and that's a First Amendment question. But when the government is speaking or when the government is acting as a curator, as with a museum or a sculpture garden or a library or here, the government is absolutely entitled to make both content and viewpoint-based distinctions. Otherwise, you get the absurdity. Absolutely entitled. It has to do so. It, it has no choice, does it? Right. If we, if we couldn't formulate and express viewpoints, I'd be here today in support of neither party. And the government, frankly, would be prevented from doing much of anything. You can't run a museum if you have to accept everything, right? Yes. Now, yeah, I mean, yes, it's just a simple point that we can do content and viewpoint discrimination in this context. And Forbes recognizes when the government's act, even if it's private speech, Forbes recognizes that as a curator, we can do this. An example, though, of, of the question Does, does the law always speech. require us to adopt an all or nothing position? Aren't there some extreme cases indicated by the hypothetical where the First Amendment does enter in? Do we have to decide this case that it's all or nothing? Um, of course, the court could put limits on its holding if it so desired. But if, if I could address the sort of the hybrid speech that seems to worry some people, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial is a great example. People are permitted there to put private objects next to the wall. That's clearly private speech. It's authorized private speech. But at the end of the day, the government comes around, takes it away, puts the non-perishable objects in the government warehouse, and then decides which of them to display in the Smithsonian American History Museum. So what starts off as public speech, or as private speech, clearly becomes government speech when the government assumes control over it. It's the same as the government putting the, a painting the trouble, in the government I, I see your point, but the trouble with that as, as an argument here is the, the private part of the speech is just as much chiseled in stone as the public part. Uh, so it's not going to go away at the end of the day, and there isn't any way that the government, in effect, can engage in the gesture of saying all private speech is treated the same way, whatever way that might be. So we've got a we've got a we've got a more difficult problem here. But if, if the government take a museum, the government can choose or not choose to put, say, a Gilbert Stuart painting that has a favorable portrayal of a former president on display. The government didn't paint it. It has Gilbert Stewart's name all over it. But it, when the government chooses to put that in a, in, a, in a display, it's the government that is speaking. And the government, therefore, has an absolute right to, to decide its own speech. So what, becomes, what you are, in effect, saying, and this may be, I, I don't mean I think this is necessarily the wrong answer, but you're, in effect, saying, yes, you can find instances of government speech in which there is clearly a, a private identification consistent with it. But the only appropriate analysis is the analysis for government speech. You can't have it both ways. You've got to pick one or the other, and it is, it is the government aspect which controls for First Amendment purposes. That, I take it, is your answer. Yes. And when we're talking about physical objects that constitute the speech, that's oftentimes the case in museums, sculpture gardens, parks across the country. Uh, so there's, 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 frankly, there's nothing even unusual about it. And the reason is that all the free speech well, there's, there's nothing unusual about it, but we haven't had this kind of a challenge before. So I, I guess it still rests on you to say, why should we submerge the private part to the government part? And there may be a very good reason, but I want to know what your reason is. 
It's simply that once the government is speaking, it is the one that is — it turns on control, right? So once the government takes control of something, says this is our speech, then it's the government speaking. And here, I mean, it does well, — Maybe they can't do it in museums either. I mean, yes, we've been doing this for a couple of hundred years, but maybe we've been wrong all along, and maybe the government can't run museums. That's possible, right? It's a brave new world. And frankly, public parks are no less absurd because we've been doing it in public parks for probably at least as long as well. And in fact, there are, there are thousands of privately donated monuments and sculptures in public parks across the country. And I suspect a great many of them don't have some formal disclaimer on them saying, I am the United States and I approve this message. That's not the way that government speech has ever been thought to work. The question, though, with government speech turning out control, this is the easy case, because we have a physical object that the government has both legal and physical custody over. It chooses to display it, and then it can do whatever it wants with it. It can move it, modify it, destroy it, drop it to the bottom of the ocean, sell it on eBay. So you'll never get a better example of control, which this Court held in Johans, is, is the touchstone for government speech that's not subject to the free speech clause. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. Um, Ms. Harris. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. The city here gave the Eagles access to its public park for a display about the Ten Commandments, and it denied Sumim access for a display about the tenets of its faith. That's a violation of the core free speech principle that the government may not favor one message over another in a public forum. The Eagles' display here is not government speech. The city had nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. You, you say in a public forum. What, I mean, that sort of begs the question. I mean, that... that, that that encapsulates your, your encapsulates your answer. Has the uh, has the city allowed anybody to put up a monument there, willy nilly? I mean, a public forum is you know we can have praise in the park, we can have protests, and anybody can do it, so long as you get a license and you're not interfering with some other group. That's a public forum. Has this city said anybody can put up a monument in this park? Well. Um Justice Scalia, there's a very serious factual question in this case about whether the city ever had a bona fide selection policy for this park. But putting that to one side for a moment, um, a public park is a public forum. A monument in a park may be a mode of communication for that forum. And it's a public forum for some things. Is it a public forum for everything? It's maybe a public for a forum for for processions, for parades. But it is a public. Is it a public forum for anybody? constructing a, a monument. Well, if you look at the question that way, Justice Scalia, um, it might be said that a public park is not a forum for sound trucks, it's not a forum for sleep-ins, it's not a forum for news racks. What that means is that there's no unfettered right to engage in those forms of communication. But if the government those, allows those, those are all, time, place, and manner regulations with which we're all familiar. I, but my concern is, is that this, this, this case is an example of the tyrannies of, of tyranny of labels. Because it's the public forum, as Justice Scalia indicated, for, for parades, for protests, which, which are limited temporarily, uh, it, 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 it just seems wooden and rigid to all of a sudden say, well, it's a public forum for something that will last for 30 years and for which there's only limited space. It just doesn't make common sense. And that is exactly why, Justice Kennedy, the city, any city, is permitted to make a decision that it will close its public parks to all unattended displays. The Court said that in Panette. It said that earlier in Vincent. That because How they are far do you push that? I mean, what about the hypotheticals on the other side? I mean, you have a statue of liberty. Do we have to have a statue of despotism? Or do we have to put any president who wants to be on Mount Rushmore? What, how do you answer those? Of course not, um, is how I answer that, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. Um, any city has available to it two very straightforward um, 
options for dealing with this question if by some happenstance they do have a monument on public land that is not now a government monument. The first thing they can do is adopt any existing monuments as government speech, convert them. How do they do that? What is the — you mention that frequently in your brief, and I'm not sure what formality you have in mind when you say adopt. Yes, um, governments can do it different ways, uh, Justice Souter. The way the national government does it under the Antiquities Act of 1906 is they formally designate pre-existing structures as a monument of the United States or a memorial of the United States. And that, by the way, Mr. Chief Justice, is um, responds to the Statue of Liberty problem in 1906. So it's frozen in the so time. Designated. Everything up till now is okay, but anything going forward is not? I'm not sure I understand. Well, I thought you said the, the government can accept what's there. Uh, and say that's our speech. But you're challenging uh, the, the, the ability to do that going forward. Uh, no. No, Your Honor. If the um, government accepts what, there, what is there now and says that's ours, then they can say we are not taking. We have closed this forum to private speech. These parks are available only to governmental displays. Either the other side says that some of these monuments, especially in the uh, Civil War battlegrounds, do indeed show who the donors are. I'm sorry? What? Mr. Sekulow says that some of these monuments, uh, notably those uh, in the Civil War battlefields, do show who the donors are. Oh, I don't now, is that government speech or private speech? Um, it depends. If, if they were privately formulated and handed off to the government as a completed object, they are only government speech if the government has since then converted them. So they have to go. By adopting them. Uh, how how is the government converting them? It passes a law saying what? We, we adopt this? It get, that isn't, has it, happened. Isn't, it, isn't it enough that the government accepts ownership of it? And places it on the government's property? Isn't, isn't that a, a manifestation of the government's adoption of it? Um, l- let me answer both of your questions, Justice Scalia. The way it does that, even if, they, even if a monument um, makes clear that it was privately formulated, um, a government can still adopt it as its own speech. It can put so, it back. So this case, your claim would disappear uh, <laughs> if this town in Utah had passed an ordinance saying we adopt the Ten Commandments monument. It would, Justice Souter. We would no longer have an equal access right going forward. And but that, it, I mean, if, if that's the only thing that's involved here, um, we're, we're engaging in, in kind of a, a, almost a silly exercise in formality. Oh, oh, absolutely not, Justice Souter. And the reason we know it's not a formality is because the city here refuses to do it. If it were just a formality, they would check the box. They if, won't if do it for If we tell them you've got to take reason. the monument down, if they don't do it, don't you think they're going to pass that pretty quick? I don't think they are, Justice Souter, and I think it will be partly a concern about establishment exposure, which we've already heard about today. I think that there are substantive reasons why they might not want to adopt one version of the Ten Commandments as the city's own speech. As it happens, the, the version of the Ten Commandments on the Eagles Monument isn't even the Mormon version of the Ten Commandments. That might raise sensitivities in this town. And whenever the government adopts one version of the Exodus account, that is not only legally sensitive, but very politically sensitive as it well. It depends on what you mean by adopting reasons. one version. If it's adopting of the version by saying, these Ten Commandments are the Word of God. That's one thing. If it's adopting it by just saying this is a version of the Ten Commandments that, that, that has had a very significant place in the history of the American people. I, I think that um, those I, are — I wouldn't care what version it was if that's all they're doing. Those are very different. Or with the Mormons in Utah, I think. Um. Well, those are very different for Establishment Clause purposes, Justice Scalia. But the only way the government could be adopting anything in this context is by saying, through the act of selection, we have adopted it. And the problem with that 
is that the government is not allowed to select which private speech it wishes to present to the public in a public park. It can do that. It can do that in museums. It can do it in libraries. Well, let me give you this example. Just by chance yesterday, I was taking a walk in a little neighborhood park, and I saw that there was a monument, a small monument donated, and it says right on there, donated by a private neighborhood association to commemorate a number of people who were killed in the 9-11 attack on the Pentagon. And now, if, if I search the town records or the county records and I don't find any resolution saying that they adopted this monument as their monument, does that mean that if I would like to put up a monument in the park to commemorate uh, loved ones who died or people who I respect, I have a First Amendment right to do that? No, Your Honor, and really for three separate reasons. First of all, it may be that the government, even privately donated monuments, often involve a great deal of government involvement at the front end when they're created. Government often works in partnership with private donors to create the content of that monument. Well, what if the situation is the Neighborhood Association prepared this, they said, we'd like to display it in the park, the park and the county or the town says, fine, go ahead and do it. Right. Even under those more unusual circumstances, there would be two things the city could do to keep you out of their park. As I said, they could adopt the monuments that, that is there. The other thing any city can do is adopt some kind of a content-neutral ban or a content-neutral limit on the number of private displays it wants to have in its park. Ms. Harris, we, we need a clear rule here. We, we can't expect uh, the courts or the cities, for that matter, to investigate in every case what the degree of the government involvement in the and, and what is the degree? 50 percent, 45 percent, 36 years? I mean, we're going to make up a percentage? Um, uh, that, that, that's not the way uh, threshold constitutional questions ought to be uh, resolved or resolvable. We need a clear rule that the cities can rely on. I agree that we need a clear rule. And if clarity is important here, the easiest way for the government to make clear that it has adopted a privately formulated message as its own is to adopt it clearly and publicly. It can put up a plaque. It can designate it a city monument. Is there, there a historical basis that. for that, or you just made it up? You think it would be a good idea? I mean, if that had been the practice over the past 200 years for all of these monuments that, that you know, are strewed across the landscape, then I'd say, yeah, that's probably uh, what the difference is. But I, I'm not aware that there's any such uh, such requirement and any such practice on the part of government. You're, you're creating a new world. I mean, it may be a very nice world, but it happens not to be the world under which our Constitution has subjected this country. If this is uncommon, that is because usually the government does reserve monuments for governmental speech, monuments that it helps to create or monuments that it is happy to endorse after the fact. If this case is unusual, it's because Pleasant Grove has done an unusual thing here by allowing a private party to erect a permanent monument in its park, even though it is not willing to endorse the content of that monument. Um, and I do want to say that Although clear rules are necessary, whatever the particular details of how a monument came to be on public land, there are these two clear safe harbors for any city facing that problem. Adopt it now or enact a content-neutral limit on the number of monuments in the park. And we think a city could do that on a going-forward basis. It could say, we have room for aesthetic reasons, for space constraint reasons. We would like well, to have fine. one the first, monument. That's fine. The first 95 park. monuments, whoever, whoever put them up, okay? It's a monument to uh, chocolate chip cookies or whatever else. Is that it, the first 95? Sure. They, a, a city could say, we think we This is a practical solution monuments. to the problem? Absolutely, because any city confronting this problem now can look at its park and say, we have four monuments. You're saying the last generation had much more freedom than the present one. 
I'm saying that so long as it does it on a content-neutral basis, because it is genuinely concerned about aesthetics, space constraints, clutter in its parks, a city can enact a ban or a limit on the number of displays, and if that has the effect of grandfathering in existing displays. Can we go back to your basic premise is this is a public forum in any and all instances, and we do have certainly in this speech area, demonstration area, from time immemorial, public parks have been places where people can speak their mind. But I don't know of any tradition that says people can come to the park with monuments and put them up if they will, so long as they meet the equivalent of time, place, and manner. So you're making an assumption that from time immemorial, monuments, just like speeches, can be presented by anyone who wants to. Um, no, Justice Ginsburg. Monuments are different from speeches. And because monuments are different, the Court has held that unlike oratory, a city can decide to close its parks entirely to all private unattended displays. It could not say, we've heard enough speeches, no more speeches. It can say, if that no is, private If that is so, monuments. what is the point of using the public forum analysis at all? Because here the city has not done that. The city has not closed. It has not made the decision that it will well, bar you, all that, private that, unattended displays. That may mean that, that you have the foundation for a, a speech discrimination argument. That but uh, that would not be the answer if we were dealing with a, a traditional public forum uh, in, in, the, in the sense that the, the Court's cases have used the term. Oh, I think so it seems to me that the, your use of public forum is, is just by kind of remote analogy here, and I'm, I'm not sure that it's helping you or would help us if we used it as criterion for decision. Oh, I, I think um, it may be helpful, Justice Souter, because once we know that we're talking about a public forum, we know that access cannot be limited on a content basis. Well, you, 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 know, you can stick with it as long as you want. That's what the, 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 the Tenth Circuit did. But suppose that we were to say that we were unconvinced by the comparison between speeches and parades on the one hand and, and monuments on the other, so we did not apply the public forum analogy. Would that be the end of your case? Oh, no, Justice Kennedy. Um, even outside a public forum, um, in any context, and even in a museum, we think, or a library, in any context in which the government is regulating private speech, it may not act in a way that is designed to suppress one particularly disfavored message or view. And we think that's what happened here. As I said well, But earlier, it does all the time. The, the, you don't get equal time. The cigarette companies don't get equal time because the government says the Surgeon General has determined this is bad for your health. It always suppresses alternative viewpoints. Um, when the government is speaking for itself, then the government does have a right to prefer certain viewpoints over others. But here, the city has consistently refused to adopt the content of this monument as its own, and it is still disclaiming endorsement of that monument. The city here, the justification for that government speech exception is that sometimes, um, as the United States has said, the government is entitled to speak in its own voice to promote its own messages, its own policies. No, you will, but it you says will it's say just the clear. opposite when you come back here to challenge the Ten Commandments uh, monument on, on Establishment Clause grounds. You will say something like this. Anybody who comes into this park and seeing this monument owned by the government on government land will think that the government is endorsing this message. That's what you will say. Um, now, why would it be true there? But it's not true here. 
What, would anybody think that on public land owned by the government, the government disagrees with this message? Um, Justice Scalia, for one thing, if this case were being litigated under the Establishment Clause, it wouldn't be critical whether the monument were actually government speech, because the Establishment Clause can be implicated by the government's interaction with private speech as well. That said, I do not think it's the case that anybody who came across this monument would know that the government is speaking. The monument says it is presented by the Eagles. It has the Eagles emblem. The mayor himself testified in his deposition that he thought the monument was owned by the city because it's the Eagles and not the — I'm sorry, was owned by the Eagles because it is the Eagles and not the city that maintains that monument. I think there is a very real question about what people would think here. And if those perceptions are important, the easy way to clarify it is for the city to step up and adopt the monument as government speech, which it won't do here. And isn't the, merely allowing the monument to be built on public property sufficient acceptance? If, if somebody came up to you and said, I'd like to put up a monument in your front yard, and you said, sure, go ahead, do that, aren't you accepting the, whatever the monument says, in a sense? Um, Your Honor, my front yard is different from a public park, and that matters, because when all the government has done is said, sure, go ahead, put your monument in our park, that's all the government ever does when it administers access to a public forum. If it's doing it on a content basis, that's a problem. The government — But it doesn't — it doesn't have to do that, save for time, place, and manner restrictions uh, for access to a public forum if it really is a public forum. There's something more involved here. This is closer to the case of the — individual who says, sure, put the McCain sign on on my lawn. No one is going to doubt that the person whose house is there is in favor of McCain. Uh, And and it seems to me we're in the same situation with the monument in the city. Um, Again, I think because it's a public park and because public forums are always used for the expression of of, — Ideas that the government does not necessarily sure, but when you get the monuments, we do not. There is there is no pervasive understanding or 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 non-pervasive one. I would have thought in the United States that anyone who wants to display a message in granite in a public park can put it there. No one assumes that. Everyone assumes that if the if the granite monument is there, the city or whatever said, yeah, we we approve it. Put it there. The city in this case, everybody may assume that, and they would be right. The city in this case did say, yes, we approve that monument and not that one. So you can put yours up and you can't. That doesn't solve the First Amendment problem. That is the First Amendment problem, that the government — It it, it may create the First Amendment problem, but it seems to me, going back to Justice Alito's question, that the city's decision is a clear adoption of the monument. If if all we have, I think, Justice Souter, is that the city has — permitted one private speaker to erect a monument, there is no constitutional or judicially manageable line between that and just the ordinary thing the government always does when it grants preferred access to a public forum, which is to say, you're in, you're out. If that's enough for adoption, then there, there are no more First Amendment violations um, through lack of equal access. Yeah, but even, even on your own criterion, if the city passes a resolution saying, we adopt this, uh, you're, you're still you're going to be faced with precisely the the, the content discrimination problem that, that you're arguing about here. But because it's adopted it as its own message, then we think the government is speaking. And when the government is speaking, as the United States said, it is entitled to make content and viewpoint distinctions. But in order to do that, it has to step up and speak itself. That's the justification for the government's speech. You're document. basically just arguing for a clear statement rule. 
Or, I mean, well, Justice Alito's question, my uh, analogies are, are, are suggestive of the fact that there is an affirmative government act of, of some indication of approval when it says, yeah, you can put the monument here. And what you're arguing for is, well, we want a clearer statement. We want it to say, yeah, we really adopt it. It's, it's, it's ours from the heart. And, and that seems to be the difference between your position and, and, the, and the position that, that, that acceptance of the monument is enough. Um, I would formulate it only slightly differently, which is not so much a clear statement, but that those are really two different things, approving it for access and adopting the message as the government's own, and that the difference is that — Well, we you, can, you, I, you can make that distinction. There's no question. I understand the distinction you're making. But because I don't see that that's a distinction that a reasonable member of the public would understand uh, to be implied by the — or or at least to be uh, to, to be raised uh, by the placement of the monument, I don't know why it's a distinction that should be significant for First Amendment purposes. Um, if what matters is the public perceptions, then yes, we do think that to clarify an unclear situation like this, where you have a monument that says it's presented by the Eagles, it has the Eagles emblem, the Eagles are continuing to maintain it in the park, and that's a fact we should assume a reasonable observer would know, then yes, be clear. The government, there's one way to clarify that, and that's for the government to adopt it. And when the government adopts it, can it at that time specify what it understands the statement to be? I think it can, Justice Alito. It can adopt. Now the government is speaking. Now this is the government's own message, and it can tailor its adoption to make clear what message it's adopting. And in answer um, to, to some of Justice Scalia's questions, I think the government here could put up a plaque in front of the Eagles Monument that says, Monument of the City of Pleasant Grove and dedicated to the role that the Ten Commandments play in secular law. Suppose the resolution of adoption by the City Council just says, the City Council agrees that this monument of the Eagle Association expresses an idea worthy of the public's attention. Um, I think the — Is that enough? No. I think that the ordinance has — or the ordinance has to do one more thing, which is say — which is to say this is a monument of the City of Pleasant Grove. We adopt the content of the monument, not just we approve it, we're giving it preferential access, and here's why. You want a signing statement as well as a signature. Like that. Like that. Does it depend on, given the focus on public perception, does it depend on the content uh, of the speech? In other words, if you came across a monument and it said, the Eagles are a lot better than every other organization, you should give money to the Eagles, someone's going to walk by that and say, well, that's probably not the city, that's probably the Eagles. But the Eagles, you know, for all the good they do, did not come up with the Ten Commandments. And somebody's going to look at that and say, that's probably the city. They're not going to look at that and immediately say, that's what the Eagles believe. Well, I think it's um, actually trickier than that, more complicated than that, Your Honor. Um, Again, given this monument, I think there will be questions about whether this is the speech of the Eagles. And I actually think that given all the legal sensitivities around Ten Commandments monument, your average citizen, when they see a religious monument in a park, may well think uh, that may be private speech because the government usually can't endorse, or at least sometimes can't endorse religious speech. So I actually think these questions are very complicated. And again, if you want to be clear about who's speaking, there's an easy way to do that, which is for the government sort of straightforwardly and clearly to adopt the speech as its own. What if it's just a, a, a statue of George Washington? What, what kind of a resolution does the City Council adopt? We, we, 
we endorse everything George Washington ever said? No, no, again, and in my answer to Justice Alito, they can adopt any resolution they want so long as they adopt that statue as oh, a I city they, memorial. That's or right, and I think they would adopt a resolution that says we think George Washington is worthy of respect and emulation on the part of our citizens. And so long as that say that, why couldn't it say the same thing about about the Ten Commandments? We think the Ten Commandments are worthy of respect and and uh, I wouldn't say emulation. I would say respect and uh, and reverence by our citizens. Um, so long that as be enough? So long as it is preceded by a statement that the city actually adopts the memorial as its own, that this is a Pleasant Grove Memorial means. or Pleasant Grove it, it, has, it, it has acquired the memorial. It the city has acquired property in this memorial and has agreed for this memorial to be placed in the city park, period. We believe that the Ten Commandments, which are uh, — embodied in this memorial, are worthy of uh, respect by the citizens of Pleasant Grove. Is that enough? It may be that if the government goes on long enough, it will have connoted what is very important here, which is that it is prepared to adopt the content of that monument I, as its own. I don't know what that means. You keep saying it, and I don't know what it means. It I, means I, I would have thought adopting what I said shows that it is adopting the content of the monument insofar as the monument says the Ten Commandments should be respected by, this, by the citizens of Pleasant Grove. Is that enough? If the city says Or it has to say, we believe in the Ten Commandments. No, no. I, I understand your question, Justice Scalia. Okay. If the city says what you just said, we are adopting this monument insofar as, right. and however it wants to finish that sentence, that is fine. And you don't think that's fairly implied by the mere fact that it is there in, the, in Pleasant Grove's park and that the Pleasant Grove City Council has allowed it to be constructed there? Don't you think that's implicit? No, I don't, Your Honor. I think that all that implies is that the Pleasant Grove has decided this speech is worthy of display in its public park based on its content, and that is a decision the city can't make. If it were just a formality, if it were simple as it's all the same, who cares, then I think that Pleasant Grove would be here saying something different, which is we adopt, we adopt. <coughs> we'll check that box. There are substantive reasons why it doesn't. It may be a fine line, but Maybe there's the city, the doesn't, city know, doesn't want to cross know what you mean by we adopt, just I, as I don't know what you mean by we we adopt. Well, whether or not the city knows what we mean, what we know from the city's brief is that what it's saying is, and this is on page 33 of its brief, the government speech here is only in the act of selection. Selection. It's not about the content of that monument. That's not enough to make a government speech, and the city is not permitted to speak through selection. So in what, a what do we do? Is, uh, uh, is this monument is suspiciously similar to the one in Texas? And, and so if, if its history is the same, I don't know, you would know that there was a big element of this uh, was Cecil B. DeMille was trying to promote his movie, The Ten Commandments. So he gave money to the Eagles, and the Eagles put Ten Commandments all over because it would be good for the morality of people and also it would help promote the movie. All right? I mean, is that truth? Is that the actual description here? Um, this is part of the same Eagles okay. project so, that was so, at issue so, in the uh, if that's the history of it, what does that mean? I mean, where, where do we go with that? And this is, in fact, partly an attempt to promote morality, partly an attempt to be civic, partly an attempt to promote a movie. So what do we do with that? 
um, it's all a private message, and it may be a private message that has many different <coughs> elements, but nothing about that suggests government speech. And even if all the government is doing in its public part is promoting, you know, one version of a Cecil DeMille movie, um, it, it can't do that on a content basis. If it wants to, why not? Why not? Why suppose, suppose that there, there are certain messages that private people had, like eat vitamins, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, they say, you know, whatever those are, and then somebody comes along with a totally different content, ride the roller coaster, and they say this part of the park is designed to get healthy children, not put children at risk. So therefore, we like messages to eat vitamins, and we don't want messages ride the roller coaster. This is all private. It's the, you know, what, now what? The problem is that it's a public park, and content-based so distinctions, even the, between the, vitamins and roller coasters, are not Can't private. do either. Is there any case that says that they, can they have playgrounds in the park? They can have playgrounds, Okay. Yeah. So we have right in the playground, we have eat vitamins. Eat your, eat, clean up every food on your, all the food on your plate. Don't throw food at your brother, okay? So, I mean, you know, there's all thing, private messages. You know, all private because right. there, there are various groups that feel that's important. The city says, yeah, it is. And we don't want things like, uh, pull the dog's tail or, you know, or whatever. So, 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 uh, uh, what's wrong with that? Where does the First Amendment forbid that? You promote, they, they want in this corner promoting in the playground good things that they like and not bad ones. Where does it permit it? What's the case that says that the government couldn't do that? It's all the cases that say the government. Which can't. one? Give me one. I'll read it. Give um, me three. I'll read them. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you um, Panette. Um, the government can't make content-based distinctions in a public forum, um, and there's not a limit. It's, the children's not, playground isn't the public forum. Oh, but the government. A public park is a public forum. If the government wants to set aside part of that park, change the physical characteristics, change the principal use, and bear the attendant costs, it can definitely do that. Um, that is, in fact, the answer to the sculpture garden question. That's what happened there. The government raised part of what had been a public forum. It put up fences. It changed the principal use. It limited public access. It is no longer a park. It is now a museum. I, I, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. The government can. I see where you're going. Okay. Thank you. Um, are, are you taking this line because you say if the city council votes for it, then the voters can know those people voted to put up the Ten Commandments. We don't like that, so we're going to vote them out. Is that what, what underlies this notion that it isn't good enough for them to approve the placement of the monument, but it has to be some kind of formal declaration? Um, what underlies it is that the, the, government speech exce- the government speech doctrine is an exception to normal First Amendment and very important First Amendment constraints. And what underlies the distinction is that that exception is justified only when the government is speaking for itself. The government needs to be able to promote its own messages, its own ideas. But if it's not doing that, if it's disclaiming the content of the monument, saying those are not our own ideas, those are not our own messages, then there's just no justification for allowing it to prefer one form of private speech over another. The justification for allowing that exception is missing. But it's not disclaiming it here. The government isn't disclaiming it. And the difference, it seems to me, between you and your friends on the other side is you want this clear statement. You want a statement, for example, uh, if you took Justice Scalia's statement, uh, that would satisfy you, and it would also be the poison pill in the Establishment Clause. Um, Isn't that what I mean, that's okay with me. I, I, I don't see that as an illegitimate object. I, I, was, I was a Van Orden dissenter, but, I mean, that's, isn't that what is driving this? Well, I, I do think that the, the city um, 
is a bit on the horns of a dilemma because it wants to have it both ways. It wants to be able to say this speech is governmental for purposes of blocking equal access rights, but not so governmental that it's a big establishment clause problem. So, yes, I think there are, um, there is a dilemma here for the city. Thank you, Thank Council. You. Mr. Sekulow, you have two minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. With regard to the hypothetical about the Senator McCain or President-elect Obama signs, there's another factor that's important here, and that is those signs are created by those usually by the campaigns. So the fact that it's created by a third party doesn't in any way diminish the speech aspect of the individual who's put that sign in their home. Also, with regard to the Adopt the Monuments, governments don't adopt monuments. They adopt resolutions that accept monuments. That's the way it worked here. That's the way it works in most municipalities. That's just the trigger of allowing a monument to be displayed. Here there are two. Uh, this, the city, it, it was approached and made a formal acceptance. And it was noted later in their minutes as well, so in two different places. With regard to the adoption of the speech problem, um, Justice Alito, under the hypothetical, or the, not hypothetical, the factual situation that you talked about, under the Tenth Circuit's theory of the case and Respondent's theory of the case, Al-Qaeda sympathizers could come in and say, we want to erect a monument appraising the value of the terrorists. And unless there's a compelling governmental interest, there would be no base on which to deny. That's why the whole public forum analysis on, on this, in our view, is absolutely incorrect. And, and finally, on the adopt the speech, there are monuments and memorials that incorporate a variety of message, including Holocaust memorials, and they will often have in place Nazi-era propaganda, be the signs from the Nazis that were designed to draw hatred towards Jews. And they'll incorporate those into the monuments uh, and the displays. They're not adopting the message of the Nazis. They're showing the history of what took place during an era. That's very, very different. The Statue of Liberty, which was donated to the United States, was from the Franco-American Union, a private organization. The United States, and it's found in the appendix to our reply brief, specifically accepted the monument, authorized the President to accept, and they erected uh, the, the pedestal, all privately funded in that regard, and it was originated by a third party. The government was speaking when they erected that monument. The fact that the Antiquities Act came into play, which just means you cannot harm those monuments, is no different than Pioneer Park, which is a national historic treasure. And the last point, Mr. Chief Justice, if I may, is the reliance on Panetta is misplaced because, as this Court said, Panet is an Establishment Clause case, and the reliance here by the Respondent uh, has been on the Free Speech Clause. We think the Tenth Circuit is wrong both under the government speech analysis and under the forum approach, and for that reason should be vacated. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. The case is submitted.